you know, you can do as much as you can to like choose a cat with the right temperament or like set up your house in a way that facilitates things. But sometimes the way life is not ideal. Hello, you cat and dog people. This is It's Training Cats and Dogs, the show for people with both cats and dogs who want peace in their home and peace between their animals. I'm Naomi Rotenberg, your source of practical strategies for keeping everyone in your multi-species household safe and sane. And today's episode is a chat with Kayla Fratt about how she's used her expertise to navigate the relationships between the cats and dogs in her life. I'm so happy to have Kayla back on the show, and I will link to the episode from season one in this episode's show notes. In this conversation, you'll hear about how Kayla worked through some overexcited behavior from her new border collie, Niffler, towards her new cat, the importance of considering both red flags and green flags when assessing whether things are going well between your animals, and the trials and tribulations of living with a teenage energetic cat inside an 84-square-foot van. First, a little bit about Kayla. Kayla is a conservation detection dog trainer and certified dog behavior consultant. She lives in a sprinter van with her two border collies and a recently acquired ditch cat named Norbert. She'll tell the story in a minute. Kayla is passionate about providing the best life possible for pets and wildlife through education, outreach, training, and conservation. You can find her full bio and how to contact her in the episode show notes. All right, let us hop into my conversation with Kayla. Part two of Kayla Fratt being like, hey, so remember we talked kind of like theoretically and hypothetically last time about like what would happen if we had cats in the van Mm -hmm. you know so you have a cat in the van yes yeah (laughs) so Um, tell us the story of how your new orange being came to live with you and Talk about how it's been. Yeah. So I am the um, accidental new owner of a probably five-ish month old kitten. I was on a run in Nebraska about a month ago now. And um, I, um, I've i been living in rural Nebraska for field work um, with the dogs. And as I'm on this run, I hear a cat screaming in the woods. <laughs> Um, and pretty literally screaming. I think many of us kind of know that unfortunate sound. And I was actually on the phone with a friend and was like, do you hear that? And he was like, yeah, I hear that. And <laughs> so, and for a second, I thought the cat was actually in a, in the river. Um, cause I was actually at this point crossing a bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wasn't. Um, and I cross the bridge and I kind of step off the road towards where I hear um, hear the meowing coming from. And I can see this cat kind of at the uh, he's at the forage edge and doesn't seem to want to, like, come out. But as mm-hmm. soon as he sees me, he, like, bounds across the field <laughs> and basically into my arms. And then I carry this cat a mile home on my shoulders. And he's just screaming the whole time. And, yeah, I get home. And, of course, I don't have any cat food. But he started eating and stealing all the dog food. He was stealing um, cream cheese, like, everything he could get his paws on. <laughs> Clearly no manners, which is just fine. 
And the original plan was to find an owner for him or find, I, I tried to find his people and we're in a really rural area. I'm really pretty confident. He was, he was probably dumped intentionally or was kind of like an oops barn cat litter or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't able to find anyone who was missing uh, a young orange cat. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there was one group of, uh, there was one family who came by. They were like, we've got 18 barn cats and we did just have a litter. Like maybe he's ours, but their litter was way, way younger than him. <laughs> I love how it's like, I don't know what's going on. Maybe there, <laughs> there's some barn cats out there. I know. Well, and I, I was kind of joking with them. I was like, well, you've got 18. Like, do you want to just keep this one? Like, what's what's 19? But I also, I wasn't super psyched about sending him back into like a total outdoor barn cat situation anyway. And uh, yeah, basically what ended up happening is my younger dog Niffler adopted the cat and now I have to pay for it. Um, so the long story <laughs> short is the dog and the cat kind of fell in love and it's very cute and um, it did take a little bit of work. We'll talk about the introduction if you'd like, but um, yeah. ultimately it kind of, the cat has adopted us, Niffler has adopted the cat and now I've paid for the neuter, I've paid for the vaccines and the <laughs> microchip and everything. So I guess he's mine now. <laughs> so first of all, okay, well, what is the cat's name now? Yes. Um, so now his name is Norbert. So he's named after the little dragon in um, in Harry Potter. Niffler and, uh, and Norbert. Love it. Niffler and Norbert. Yep. And um, originally we were calling him Ditch for a while. And that's probably going to be a lifelong nickname because he was he was Ditch Cat until uh, until we got a, a name that stuck. I like Norbert. It's very distinguished, but also adorable. Mm. I think he's going to grow into it. Right now he's still kind of a Ditch most of the time. <laughs> is oh my gosh never mind i'm not gonna go there okay so i was like what is that a combination of never mind okay the- yep, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he runs into your arms and basically says mom hi yeah did he when you took him to the vet is there any mm-hmm. obvious like he'd been out there for a while he was hungry or he was just like yo i'm just gonna scream till someone finds me and then someone found me and i'm going home with i don't think he could have been out for very long um he wasn't that skinny um he's young enough and doesn't see like i've watched him trying to hunt hunt grasshoppers i don't think he was self-sustaining out there for very long (laughs) Um, and he's not young enough that he was just out there you know dealing with mom either Mm -hmm. um he's too old for that so no the vet didn't really have a solid idea but my guess is probably a day or less that he was out there and probably fell out of the back of someone's pickup or was dumped um kind of intentionally and just got really lucky that someone found him so quickly yeah he was definitely hungry but he wasn't all that skinny um mm-hmm. I've kind of seen him basically get down to the same body score. I mean, their metabolisms are so fast. Yeah. He's been able, to, he's been getting back down to like a similar body composition. If I just don't feed him for like six or eight hours. And then he starts looking about as skinny as he was. <laughs> but yeah, his coat was in good shape. I thought he had ear mites and he actually just had some wax build up. You know, he, he didn't have a chip or anything. And we assumed he didn't have any vaccines. So he might be double vaccinated right now, but kind of went with the assumption that, you know, no chip still intact found as a stray we're just gonna do the whole vaccine setup all over again yeah especially since he's gonna be an outdoorsy type of dude are you gonna well maybe okay that was an assumption Mm -hmm. let's refresh everyone's memories in the fact that you live in a van and you (laughs) and you move around to different locations and your previous cats are were in and out Mm -hmm. and you know it's so tell me a little bit about your plans for him yeah. lifestyle wise 
Yeah. So yeah, as you said, I grew up on a farm. We had kind of indoor outdoor cats my whole life um, that made it to 19, which I know is not necessarily typical for indoor outdoor kitties. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I live in a sprinter van. And right now the plan is in about two weeks. So potentially by the time people are hearing this, it'll have already happened. We are crossing the border into Mexico. And my plan over the next year or so is to drive all the way to Argentina before I go back and start a PhD program. So um, yeah, definitely the plan is indoor outdoor kitty within three days of me deciding I was going to keep him. I got him a leash and a harness and he's already been really well trained with it we can talk a little bit about that but he took to it very quickly I think it helps that he's so young Mm -hmm. and um, part of the reason that I decided to keep him as well was I so my plan was I was going to get a cat once I finished this trip Mm -hmm. and I was back and about to start a PhD and was going to be living in a normal house and be (laughs) in the same place for five years or potentially longer depending on how good I am at the PhD thing (laughs) Uh, it could be seven, could be 10, hopefully five. And, um, but I did kind of say if, if I found the right stray cat, I was open to keeping a cat in the van. It just would have to be a cat that was young enough and confident enough and adaptable enough to handle a situation like this, because it is a very small space. It's a lot of constant change, you know, stuff like litter box issues or marketing marking would be a really big problem for us. And it is kind of a suboptimal litter box setup as well. Like normally when I'm working with um, cat clients with litter box issues, we're really talking about a litter box that's not quite as closed in and contained as the litter box kind of has to be in the van here, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, particularly because I have some dogs that like cat poop nuggets. I mean, delicious. Yeah. Yeah. They're like milk duds, but better. (laughs) So yes. Um, he and he took to the leash right away he's still you know learning about the world and um it's really interesting having a prey species again now after you know because cats are both predator and prey watching his startle response with some things is really different from what i'm used to with puppies (laughs) taking him on walks is a very different experience from walking my border collies um (laughs) but he's he's fitting right in honestly it's it's been really really cool to see because again i i very much so would not have just taken any cat to live in live in this situation well you put it out into the universe and then he was like hey here i am exactly and he is just (laughs) he's so confident and really like he likes to just sit on your shoulder and purr he likes looking out the window um rides in the car like a pro Um, and again I think a lot of that is is just how young he is and a lot of it is also just that he did kind of whatever his first five months were like he is a very confident adaptable little guy sounds like all the boxes are checked Mm -hmm. and your dogs are cat savvy yeah relatively and that was something barley came to me relatively cat savvy um so I got him when he was three and a half he's my older border collie Mm -hmm. he's pretty much always been pretty good with cats um outdoor cats that run definitely set off a bit of a chase instinct but indoor cats he's always been pretty good with and niffler when i got him i knew i was thinking about getting a cat certainly at some point in his lifetime so i fostered Mm -hmm. kittens while he was young um and had a couple litters that i brought mom home as well and a couple orphans Mm -hmm. so niffler got some experience with kittens and cats when he was really young but niffler was actually the one who struggled a little bit more during the introduction yeah you said he was uh quite interesting. Yes, he was definitely erring on the side of kind of wanting to play really hard um, and not quite knowing how to modulate himself and how to read the cat and um, 
especially until Niffler got or Norbert got comfortable enough. That was very overwhelming for Norbert. So yeah, let's walk through that a little bit. You know, the typical introduction would be keep everyone separated, do some like very controlled introductions, mm-hmm. but you mm-hmm. have literally like two by four feet of space yeah. to do do that in so what did you do how did it go yeah so I got part of the other thing that was really lucky was when I am out for field work so this summer I was working on a wind farm the dogs were finding dead bats out on the wind farm the company that I work for rents us a place to live so I actually wasn't living in the van at this point I was living in like a 400 square foot hunting cabin that had a bedroom a bathroom and um, then kind of like a general living space so mansion yeah it, it, amazing yeah like 400 square feet <laughs> as opposed to i think sprinter vans are about 84 square feet so what i did was i blocked off the bathroom with the trash can and the dog food um kind of container bin thing you know like the white ones that they sell at petco uh-huh. Uh-huh. so that there was a separate spot for the litter box and the cat food and the cat could go back there norbert could go back there whenever he wanted he also you know definitely had access for better or for worse to like the counters and the tables um i don't have a cat mm-hmm. tree for him and i try not to have him up there if i'm cooking or eating but otherwise i haven't really dealt with the countertop question so yeah at first um the first couple days unless i was actively engaged with them norbert was in the bathroom and then we were bringing them out intermittently and one of the lovely things so far about norbert is he is extremely food motivated so i could put down food for all three of them and have all three of them eating at kind of varying distances or with various types of barriers in between them to get them all used to each other um barley Mm -hmm. it probably took eight hours before he and norbert were fine niffler it was probably more like two days before i really felt okay and now it's been three weeks and they're already fully cohabitating at this point as i hinted at the biggest challenge so far has been figuring out how to keep the cat um food and the cat turds away from the dogs (laughs) so luckily and i wasn't planning this but just about two weeks no We were finishing this project the day that I found Norbert. We added an overhead shelf in the van that kind of goes above where the driver and passenger seats are if you're driving. And Norbert can actually access that. So it's five and a half feet off the floor so the dogs can't get up there. So Norbert does have his own kind of private space up there and we can keep his food up there. So that has been really, really helpful because I wasn't sure. I've never had a cat that wasn't free fed. Um, I've never had a cat that I kind of, I mean, and not that he gets to eat as much as he wants all the time, but I've never had a cat that I've kind of successfully gotten to just eat meals at scheduled times, finish their food, and then you can put the food away, which is what I would need to do given um, particularly Barley's tendencies regarding food. Got it. So he, you figured out loft bed Mm -hmm. situation for him slash like dining room, like a dining room in the sky. Yes. (laughs) which is awesome you it just sounds like so many things kind of have fallen into place which is really like kind of it's nice to acknowledge the luck factor too right like I think a lot of people who are going through this they're like oh everything I just can't the way you're like supposed to do it like I can't because of x y and z and you know whatever the situation is like there is some aspect of luck of it's like you know you can do as much as you can to like choose a cat with the right temperament or like set up your house in a way that facilitates things but sometimes the way Mm -hmm. life is not ideal right and theoretically right if you had if this had happened a week later when you were in the van Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> right? Like it would have been a totally different experience exactly. to introduce them. Yeah. Yeah. Or if he'd been just a little bit more flighty, you know, even a couple months older and was more skeptical of the dogs. Cause he kind of, mm -hmm. he basically marched in with his tail up and like walked right up to the dogs and was like, Hey, what's up? And the dogs were the ones who were kind of like, why you know <laughs> and as i think we talked about on the last call it is a lot harder if the cat is less confident because as soon as they're they're running then the dogs are chasing and then you kind of end up in this really nasty spiral really quickly yeah so yeah definitely yeah. definitely a lot of luck um and just good fit yeah in a way that can be really hard to screen for in a shelter or if you're picking up a new animal um you don't necessarily know right away i i want to talk a little bit like going back to niffler being mm -hmm. a little bit too invested mm -hmm. in what you know for better or for worse did you see this kind of behavior like that was within the first two days and then he kind of evened out or was the first two days oh my god there's a cat here and then you were trying to work through it like how did that process go it was definitely the first couple days were the worst and even like niffler was actually with me on my run when i found norbert <laughs> so i was kind of carrying the cat on my shoulders and niffler is like off leash like kind of coming and going he was like kind of interested and kind of confused um and actually not that fixated yet at that point but then as mm -hmm. soon as we got home and Norbert was kind of out and about, Niffler was definitely doing some like border collie herding was like our big thing that we were struggling with, where he was really wanting to stare and kind of get around the cat and move, control the cat's movements. And, um, you know, Norbert mm -hmm. wasn't reading any of those signs at all. So then if Niffler got more excited he was then starting to nose at Norbert and even would kind of like put his nose under Norbert's belly and like lift him <laughs> you know being very gentle but definitely inappropriate mm. so what I was working on a lot was I would have Niffler on leash um, and let Norbert be around and then doing a lot of rewarding Niffler for disengaging and also using some kind of verbal like hey cut it out sort of cues with Niffler he responds very very well to that sort of thing and um, it took just a couple times of kind of rewarding him for the right thing and also telling him like, hey, uh-uh, and really even like just saying like, uh-uh, like that. And he'll he'll listen. I'm very lucky with that. So um, that all helped quite a bit. But then we were also seeing some really nice play behaviors right away with both of them, where Norbert would kind of come over and bat at Niffler's tail or Niffler was doing some play bowing. And Niffler was also, um, I think he's kind of, he might have forgotten how to play with cats. So sometimes he would like play bow and then run away, you know, like soliciting a chase game that um, the cat didn't <laughs> they've played that game like twice but it's not really um norbert's preferred mode of play so mm -hmm. yeah as much as i was seeing some stuff i didn't like from niffler um again very typical kind of border collie herding behavior um i was seeing enough other good signs that i felt like even when i wasn't planning on keeping norbert it was like yeah i'm gonna be able to have these guys um free and together quite quickly um and i think one of the things and you you probably talked about this before on the show is like we went through a lot of the same steps that I go through with clients or that I've kind of experienced in general with dog cat introductions, it was just on a very accelerated time frame. And, you know, I've seen that before. Like sometimes you read about this stuff online and they say, you know, it'll take a month or six weeks or however long. And we went through pretty much all of the same steps. We did the scent swapping. We did, you know, each animal being controlled in its own way. We did the food, you know, the disengagement for the dogs. Like we did all of that. It just was that we only needed like a session or two of each step to really get where we needed to go. Yeah, it's it's nice to have that framework to under, and then understand kind of the ways to tweak it for each situation. Yeah. Um, 
all of those steps are important and sometimes you can breeze through it and you can kind of lump it all together. Mm -hmm. And then for Mm -hmm. the really tough cases, it's like split, split, split into tiny, tiny, tiny things. Yeah. Or like three weeks of scent swapping. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like, can you eat with the cat behind a closed door Mm -hmm. 10 feet away? Mm -hmm. Yes. Great. Let's, let's start there. That kind of thing. Yeah. So I like that you said that you explained that you didn't skip anything and you were looking for green flags. Yeah. Um, or rather the absence of red flags. Yeah. <laughs> but which one is it? Actually, that's a great question. That's a question that um, I don't ask that much. I think we were more looking for green flags, particularly because I was very much so on the fence of do I keep this cat or not? So if I wasn't mm-hmm. going to keep him, that would have just been a situation of like, okay, we've got no red flags. I can I can manage him until we find a new home. But it was really all of the accumulating green flags of them all getting along so well so quickly and... um. I, I don't know. I would have to look back through my phone to see the timeline, but it really was just a couple of days before um, Niffler and Norbert were playing really, really well together and like just having a grand old time of like really full on interspecies play that it was kind of like, this is a really, really good sign. The only thing we're still struggling with now is I can't play with Norbert with the dogs around because the dogs want the cat toys so badly that particularly (laughs) Barley will just kind of push everyone out of the way and like nobody can have fun if Barley is around. Um, So we're working on a little bit of, you know, either I'm like tethering Barley outside to a tree and then closing the van and then playing with Norbert or like putting Barley in the crate because I do have a crate um, in the van. It's just a little bit of a weird setup where the crate is actually accessed through the trunk. So you have to exit the van, go around, open the back doors, deal with the crate, and then come back in through the side door. But that's really the only thing we're still struggling with. And honestly, that's not something I necessarily expect to um, fully resolve, given kind of the level of toy obsession that both of my dogs have. Yeah. And then the only other thing that like I am definitely struggling to adjust to is crepuscular cats. Like, oh, my gosh, my sleep is a wreck right now because he is so energetic and like he's We've got a good system going right now for evenings um, of doing quite a bit of play, you know, at like 9 or 10 p.m. And then giving him a really big that's when he gets his wet food is at like 10 or 11 p.m. So he gets like a nice big protein full sleepy time meal. And that's been good for knocking him out for the first seven hours of the night. But then starting around four or five in the morning, he's really up and at it. And as we've said, I live in 84 square feet. So it is not an option for me to just like close the bedroom door and let him wreak havoc in the rest of the house or whatever. And I'm a light sleeper. Mm -hmm. So that is really like really our only issue right now. Um, And last night I just slept with earplugs in and that helped a ton. So are the dogs struggling with that too? Or are they heavy sleepers? No, just me. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, Niffler, starting in the morning, um, Niffler will kind of start wanting to play with Norbert. So at the later morning when Norbert is kind of doing his cat zoomies, sometimes Niffler is getting up and playing with him, which also um, kind of wakes me up. And Barley gets grouchy if, if Norbert's like trampling him or making biscuits or anything um, kind of as he's doing his cat zoomies, Barley will definitely lift his head and growl at him and say, hey, I'm sleeping right now. Like, bug off and yeah with some practice Norbert seems to be kind of getting that and he really knows he can play with Niffler and to like not step on Barley which is really also really nice to see because as much as Barley is tolerant he's definitely not a dog who um appreciates being disturbed or stepped on or anything like that 
<laughs> I was going to say, um, so you should act more like Barley. Yeah. <laughs> when you get to the bar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're working on it. Um, it's really, it's really like the noise right now um, of like, you know, him finding a, a loose pen or whatever it is and like chasing it around at 5 a.m. and like the clattering or like I have, uh, um, I have a couple dangly toys set up for him that he can like play with and they're you know they're on like nice bungees so they'll they'll bounce around for him but even that does just make a little bit of noise and the other night actually he turned on my faucet at some point <laughs> um which luckily I did hear that and I was able to like go turn it off but it, yeah really right now it's like it's me dealing with the late night cat shenanigans and just kind of getting used to that and knowing that like eventually he will calm down a little bit at night but I actually don't know enough about cat kind of energy development to know if that's something that it's like yeah look forward to that in five years or if that's more like in the next couple months it's going to resolve right because he's like teenage dirtbag situation right now yeah no he's he's very energetic (laughs) have you well okay have you noticed on like days that well okay backing Mm -hmm. up if you talk about his like enrichment Mm -hmm. and Uh, energy expenditure throughout the day so you're talking about like he has a big play session right before bed Mm -hmm. do you have days like some days he goes out on a walk and some days he doesn't yeah definitely so like yesterday we were actually at the mechanics most of the day just getting an oil change and tires and that sort of stuff and he was in the shop with me so he got a lot of stimulation but not a lot of exercise and last night definitely didn't go super smoothly um but if he does get out on kind of Mm -hmm. leash walks more like today um we're parked in a park and I've been kind of intermittently going outside and sitting at a picnic table with all three of them tethered and he can, you know, play around with trees and chase leaves and all that good stuff. And I'm hoping that that's going to translate to um, better sleep tonight, but I haven't necessarily seen a strong pattern yet. I just haven't had enough nights with him. Yeah. I'm a big fan of data of being like, well, what enrichment, you know, yes. Like part of this is developmental. Part of it is temperamental, right? He's like, um, Hi, Niffler. (laughs) To be just kind of expected that he's going to be high energy and by the nature of your space. But, you know, there are, it's not one of those like, let's throw up our hands and just like accept the fact that we'll never sleep again. Right. And (laughs) whether there's a sweet spot in terms of physical exercise, mental and, you know, activities that are going to meet all of his needs that like he is showing very early yeah. in the morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if it's like chase hens and stuff. Yeah. Then it like I could give you a, a, a hint of like what activities you could do yeah. maybe outside the van. I would love to hear that. So like, you know, A, you could train him to like play soccer. Because mm-hmm. if he already does mm-hmm. that behavior, then you can put that on cue and use little balls and stuff. And he can play that outside. Um, so that might be helpful get some of that out i love that idea and you can also do wand toy inside in the grass Mm -hmm. where it's like really chasey but very naturalistic of like with the stalking aspect um too i like those ideas the other thing that someone suggested um because i of course i posted on a couple forums just being like hey like i know that like cats are crepuscular and he's a young guy but like what are some ideas people have for this sort of thing? Yeah. <laughs> um, and one that um, someone suggested that has actually helped a lot is I've been leaving one window uncovered. 
and then he can go and sit and stare out the window because normally I have like reflective kind of privacy screens up and I have a curtain as well so it's not like if I leave the window open people can like watch me sleep because that would not be okay with me (laughs) but if I leave one window uncovered at least a couple nights um what he'll actually kind of like yeah he runs around a little bit but then he'll also just go and stare at squirrels for a while and kind of have some like cat TV opportunities. And that also seems to help quite a bit, especially kind of, you know, dawn chorus birds and whatnot. Um, I think that seems to be giving him a hobby because one of the things like I, I can totally see how this happens. I have been so tempted to just like get out of bed at 5 a.m. and feed him some wet food and see if that'll like shut him up and put him back to bed. But I also have enough friends with cats who have tried that and then end up in this like death spiral of like waking up earlier and earlier and earlier to feed the cats. So I've been resistant to trying that one. Um, We'll keep it in our pockets as a last resort, but I really don't like inadvertently reinforcing behaviors that annoy me because I uh, I know how uh, sticky that I was going to say how sticky that road can be, but that's a that's a mixed metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) But he's also showing like that's not the function of this behavior. No, it would mostly be like an attempt to put him in a food coma. Uh, (laughs) It wouldn't actually be like meeting the needs he's expressing in that moment. You know, it's a band-aid. Mm-hmm. You can, yeah, keep it in your back pocket. But I think, you know, the combination of cat TV plus the stocking games and the, you know, the pausiness, mm-hmm. all those types of behaviors that he's offering. Yeah, take some data. I'd love to see yeah. how, what that information gives us because it's always like, I don't want to say you need to do a million things. We want to find like, yeah, one or two, just yeah. enough to do without to meet his needs without like overwhelming you to be to be like I need to be up at five like playing yeah the one other thing I'm hopeful of as well is well starting in about two weeks I'm going to have a much more flexible schedule again and I'm pretty good and a very happy napper so I also wouldn't necessarily mind if I just have to get up at six I'd really rather not do four but I I'm kind of (laughs) fine with like getting less sleep than I would like and then napping in the middle of the day when all of the animals are out anyway um and kind of like to some degree I have the flexibility to adapt to their to their sleep schedules anyway routine change because there's definitely times like I mean we're recording right now so it's nice but there are definitely a lot of times where I'm like sitting around reading or taking the dogs for a walk and he is just like passed out sleeping and Again, I know they're crepuscular, but I definitely have these moments of being like, couldn't you have slept at four and be playing now? <laughs> but no, 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 of course not. Yeah, no. Four is objectively the ass crack of dawn. Yeah, no, it is, like, the, it is the, the worst time. <laughs> I'm remembering when my kids would wake up at 3.50 every no. night. Luckily, they would go back mm-hmm. to sleep for a little bit, but like, I was like, that was right in my REMS. That was that was yeah. not a great time. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> the other thing that I am starting to see, so like last night this happened, and right now it's not good, but I'm hoping it'll move in the right direction, is he'll kind of come and purr and like settle for a minute and then go back into like toe biting mode. <laughs> but you can kind of see he's like, he's like cycling towards sleeping a little bit more. Like he'll get up and play and then like try to settle himself. And I I think he's just not quite capable of it yet, but I'm hoping that over time he may be able to kind of get up, run around a little bit, and then put himself back to bed and just interrupt my sleep for a little while. Yeah. Because again, I've definitely started seeing, even in the three weeks, I've had him a little bit more of a trend line of 
more and more nights he's kind of like up for a little bit and then coming back and right now again he's not settling fully honestly Mm -hmm. the like trying to cuddle but also kind of trying to play is probably the worst of both worlds but i'm really discouraging any play (laughs) and if he like if he wants to come and cuddle more than welcome but if he does start trying to play i've been like lifting him out of bed and putting him on the cabinet um and just making that Uh kind of like an inevitable consequence of trying to play in the bed at night is like you try to play you get kicked out i'm sorry bud yeah i was gonna ask like how does he respond to touch proximity to you he's very tactile right now he's still really he he loves being held he does not mind being carried um I mean, he'll ride on my shoulders or kind of like he likes to almost sit with like I'll support his bum and his hind legs with one hand. And then he puts his hind his front feet and his face kind of up on my shoulder and just watches up the back like like a baby. So he's really good with all that. And I definitely am mindful of trying to keep it that way. So I'm trying to make sure that like lifting and touching um, or like using any physical manipulation is not done in a way that's aversive or upsetting to him. And Mm -hmm. that is also for every time that I need to like lift him out of bed and be like, sorry, you bit my toes, you're kicked out. I'm trying to make sure that I spend as least as as much time petting and caring for him and making sure that hands and touch are still a really good thing because I wouldn't hate to, to undo anything that he's got kind of naturally. Right. Cuddles, yes. Bite toes, no. In the context of the bed, particularly. Exactly. Yeah, like, I'm okay with a little bit of, like, hand play and whatnot. Like, if he if he, he's got a really good kind of soft mouth and sheaths his claws nicely. So if he wants to wrestle with my hands, that's okay. But just like with my dogs, that has to be done safely, controlled when asked for. <laughs> not, <Right. laughs> not unsolicited, please. Yeah, I mean, having that context cue also, like, even within such a small space, like, the bed is a very clear delineation of like this is resty sleepy space yeah and then the you know we call it the two galley. feet over yeah. <laughs> two feet over is potential play play space yeah and consistency would be key there so i think that it sounds like you're on the right track i'm starting in this new season two to try mm-hmm. to make the show notes of each episode like a lot more kind of case study oh, cool. following, you know, really trying to illustrate some of the stuff that we talk about. So hopefully if you do take some data, then we'll have like some updates from you and maybe some videos from like the earlier series and stuff that we can just keep adding to that blog post. I would love that. Yeah. I will. I'll let you know if, and when I start taking data, I'll have to kind of think on what it's, what precisely we're going to track. And um, yeah, I think I've definitely sent you over plenty of videos. Yeah. Um of uh of the whole progression and uh, like everyone like you definitely need to sit down and just watch some niffler norbert playtime because it is it is just superb serotonin boosting oh my gosh they're so cute yeah (laughs) yeah as i said niffler adopted a cat now i have to pay for it yeah that's okay that's the title of this episode my dog adopted the cat and now i have to pay for it (laughs) (laughs) yeah there we go the last thing i wanted to touch on is you had mentioned with like some harness training stuff so quick tips besides for start them early um (laughs) which is you know possible sometimes Mm -hmm. how does you know what harness do you use especially with like smaller kittens they tend to be squirrely um and yeah. trying to get out so you know what equipment are you using how do you teach it all that stuff so it is an rc pets harness i just picked it up at the first pet store i went to and um i i imagine it's for like yorkshire terriers that sort of thing 
is it like a vest or is it yeah what i was really looking for was something that was a little bit more like stretchy and padded i didn't want like if you can imagine like a julius canine harness or like a balance harness or anything like that that's much more webbing based i didn't want that i wanted something really soft and with kind of more coverage that was softer I originally was envisioning mm-hmm. something with Velcro so we didn't have to deal with like the snaps of buckles and that like auditory and as well as like kind of that f- hard plastic of buckles. Mm-hmm. But he basically what I did is I did take him into the um, to the pet store mm-hmm. because he's he's comfortable with that sort of thing. And I tried it on and made sure he was OK with walking around with it in the pet store and didn't you know, f- seem like it was restricting his movement or that he was uncomfortable. And then from there, basically, I put it on and then kept him stimulated for the first 20 minutes that he had it on. So we were playing, we were going places. So he really basically couldn't think about the harness. Mm-hmm. There was just so much other stuff going on. And then over the first couple of days, I would definitely leave it on him for pretty prolonged periods of time. So he had the chance to sleep with it on. Mm-hmm. And that has seemed to help quite a bit. Um, in the past with other cats, I have gone a slightly slower route, although I personally have not had a lot of success with really like shaping a harness. It's been a little bit more of kind of putting it on, getting a good fit, and then um, keeping them occupied and making sure that the harness is associated with good things. So it's kind of like a mixture of habituation and... yeah distraction slash classical conditioning yeah (laughs) yeah definitely going more those routes versus like desensitization um and then the thing he did struggle with a little bit more was the leash um he did not he had a pretty strong reaction to leash pressure at first um that would definitely set off like a pretty big alarm bell in his brain and he would try to back out of the harness or freeze so at first what i was doing is really introducing the harness separate from the leash Mm -hmm. Then next up, we were introducing the leash, um, but either through my handling it or through letting the leash drag, making sure that there was very, very light pressure on that leash um, and also getting a really lightweight leash. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a very, very thin, light leash. I'll put links. I'll with, ask you what they are yes. and then I'll put links in the show notes. For yeah. And with a, with a small buckle as well or uh-huh. um, clip, yeah. you know, yeah. so just making sure everything's as light as possible. And then over time, I have been introducing him to the concept of leash pressure. Um, He's not like like the way that a dog would where he's kind of like he hasn't yet learned to like yield to leash pressure Mm -hmm. um, and use that as a cue to follow it but he has learned to tolerate it so if he hits the end of his leash he's not panicking anymore and that really only took a couple days and I have been able to then use that to put him on a tie out so I'll put his leash on a carabiner clip that to um i've got a couple like places on the van that i can clip that Mm -hmm. so then if i'm cooking dinner or whatever he can just kind of sit outside and watch the world go by the other nice thing i am very mindful in the van of safety for him Mm -hmm. in that i'm really working hard on reducing door darting and rewarding him for stationing and staying in place while the doors are opening and closing um that is definitely a challenge right now he definitely wants to just go outside and depending on where i'm parked that could be extraordinarily dangerous for him Mm -hmm. uh so and then when he is tethered the other thing i'm doing is i'm not leaving him unattended i said i was cooking but i'm definitely if i'm doing that he's clipped to the door so he's less than six feet away from me and the dogs are also outside on 15 foot leashes so if an off-leash dog were to come by or something like that a i'm going to get alerted by my dogs and b they're going to kind of be able to run interference i don't expect them to like instinctively protect the cat or anything like that but i am definitely mindful of if the cat is outside and we're not in the safety of our own backyard because we don't have one 
What can I do to try to give him some of that freedom and give him some of that stimulation while keeping him really safe? Because I'm definitely really mindful of like off-leash dogs as far as like having an adventure cat is really concerning. It could yeah. go really, really badly, really, really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it wouldn't, and you know, and it wouldn't be that dog or that owner's fault necessarily. You know, I think that's one of the things that is really important to remember with an adventure cat is that you nobody is expecting to run into your cat out on the trail so you know it's not an off-leash dog or an off-leash owner's fault necessarily if something were to happen so like even more so than with my dogs like I'm really taking very full ownership over his safety and being really proactive about it yeah because yeah nobody expects to run into a five-month-old kitten when they're out hiking their dogs right unless it's finding them in a ditch <laughs> yeah yeah exactly well and that's actually that's like one of the last things he is 20 minutes behind me was my coworker um walking her huskies and if she had been ahead of me he would not have had a good day like he got really really lucky that like whatever reason that day i went out ahead of her and again it's it, it's not that she's got bad dogs it's not that they're out of control they can't handle themselves around cats he's just a really small prey animal yeah and yeah. she wouldn't have been expecting to run into a into a cat on her because you know like we walked we walked that same trail every single day for three months and he was the only cat we found there so yeah <laughs> i'm telling you like this is the this is he was dropped there specifically uh, for you. honestly yeah <laughs> every the stars aligned exactly yeah yeah like i don't believe in much but like these are the sorts of situations where i'm like huh, maybe there is like something out there that i'm just too skeptical of right yeah. i mean i don't know who put the stars in alignment, but they are a lot. Yeah. They were a lot. <laughs> that yeah, is yeah, there was definitely some some chips that were falling in a very specific way over the last couple of weeks to just say, okay, I guess you're taking a cat to Argentina now. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, um, you know, sometimes your best laid plans. And for you, yeah. I think you're, you know, like you're used to kind of going with the flow yeah. in a lot of ways. <laughs> Yeah, but and I think that goes back to your question about the red and green flags. And I know we also have to wrap up here, but like I very much so is like this cat has to prove that he wants to stay and that he is ready to stay and that he's going to be happy if he stays. Like the assumption mm -hmm. was he does not stay because like, again, I am aware of how small the space this is, how transient of a lifestyle and how difficult that can be for really all animals, but especially cats. And uh, yeah, he very much so had to prove that he was interested. And I even like, even now we are two weeks away, 10 days away from our departure date. And I've still been telling him like, hey, buddy, let me know if you're going to decide if you're going to change your mind on this, please do it now because it is much easier. I'm in Denver right now. I could bring him to the shelter I used to work for. He'd get adopted in a day. Right. You know, like, please, buddy, don't decide that you don't like this when we're in El Salvador. <laughs> Um, cause it's going to be a lot harder to fix this situation. Um, and I don't think he will, but again, very much so operating from like, he has to prove that he wants to stay. Um, it, yeah. like we're joking that Niffler adopted the cat, yeah. but it all, um, the cat also definitely had to, to show that he was ready to be an adventure cat in the van. I think that's a perfect way to wrap up, which is really thinking about do the animals want to yes. be in the same space with each other? And even if you're working through conflict, like are they, do they have good quality of life outside of being with the other animals, right? So like in your space, it's a little bit different, but there are some people who have very much separated spaces between the cats and the dogs and everyone is still happy. Um, they figured yes. out a routine that works for them. Everyone is getting all of their needs met and, you know, 
slow introductions or working towards coexistence is happening and they can take as long as they need because the animals Mm -hmm. are doing well otherwise yes but as soon as you know it's not that way it gets a little bit dicey of like is this the right situation for those animals and whether any of the animals would (laughs) would prefer to be and would do better somewhere else exactly yeah and I think that that should not be a stigmatized decision totally. for anyone who's kind of going through that. And I'm probably putting myself out of a job here, but <laughs> it's like, you know, I want to make sure that for the long haul project. Yeah. Well, I'm like, could I have made the van work with a much less confident cat or a cat who maybe just, you know, the dogs and the cats tolerate each other? Absolutely. But like, is it really the best call for him? Is it really what he wants? And yeah, like, honestly, he probably would have been just as happy at like any number of other sorts of homes. But it really wasn't so much like, oh, can I make this work? It was like, yes, this is absolutely going to work. Mm-hmm. And he's proving it to me. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's a great note to end it on. And um, I, I totally agree as well about it's interesting, because since I found him, I don't think I would have gotten any flack if I'd rehomed him. You know, like I found a stray cat. The assumption was I wasn't going to keep it. You know, I, I nobody would have been upset. But I, I, my, I do feel for people who purchase or adopt an animal and then it is much more stigmatized to not keep that animal or go through that rehoming process and finding a better fit particularly if you then go out and get another animal which like I think you and I are on the same page as far as like hey do what works for everyone and if cat a doesn't work but cat b does or dog a doesn't work but dog b does there's no problem with that but you know people on the internet are um, liable to disagree with that yeah I'd never thought about what the distinction of like how you acquired the animal being a factor in yeah what happened because no, it's like it's virtuous if i adopt right. if i rescue this stray cat and then find him a perfect home that's then i'm a hero but if i adopt this cat and then find him a better home uh that fits him better now i've like given up on this animal and rehomed him <laughs> you know like you know it's really yeah. that it's that classic example of the behaviors are the same but the context is different and everything changes yeah yeah it's so fascinating <laughs> that could be a whole other conversation yes i'm definitely going to think about the idea of red versus green flags and probably go into mm-hmm. a deep dive episode there because i think that's a good distinction that a lot of people don't necessarily think mm-hmm. about. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Naomi, thank you. As always, Kayla, I love talking to you and thank you for coming back on the podcast. And I know that the everyone should check out the show notes because it's going to be full of cuteness and updates and some good info. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. I will talk to you soon. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Sure. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. If this episode made you think or laugh or gave you some ideas of things to do with your own cat and dog, please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts because it really goes a long way to help other cat and dog people find the show. And I am so appreciative of everyone who takes a minute to write something. Like EMC Mish One, who said, So glad I found this podcast and Naomi. Stumbled on this podcast on a search for improving the way my dog and cat get along. Listened to an episode and it really hit home. I had a cat and two dogs, then about one and a half years ago, adopted a puppy, and I had been 